Hi, I'm Nick Gregoriadis, and this is the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Podcast. The show for grapplers and martial artists that want to evolve both on and off the mat. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Show. We've got a fantastic episode coming up for you today. It's with my friend Stuart Cooper. And uh, it's a bit of an interesting one. I hadn't spoken to Stuart for almost two years. We just kind of fallen out of touch. We both had a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I wanted to know what was happening in his life. And he opened up and told me about some some really difficult challenges that he had faced. It's a, the episode didn't go where I expected it to go, but it's, it's a fantastic episode. And I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. Before we get into the show and, and hear Stuart's story, I just want to let you guys know that it is officially out. My new conditioning product, BudoFit. Kettlebell and bodyweight training for martial artists is available now. If you head on over to store.jujitsubrother.com, you can purchase it and download it instantly. And also, we have a launch special going on for the next couple of days. Literally, it'll be it'll end in a, in a day or two after you hear this. If you use the coupon code GETBUDOFIT, all one word, at checkout, you'll get 25% off. And as I said, that is going to expire soon, so make sure you check it out. We're already getting a lot of good feedback about it. And uh, I think it's going to really help you if you want to get in the best shape possible so that you can perform to your absolute peak on the mat. Okay, guys, here's Stuart Cooper. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood Show. And today's guest is someone I have been friends with for a long time, someone who uh, I think our paths crossed for a reason many years ago, and um, we did some good work together. It's the fantastic Jiu-Jitsu filmmaker, Stuart Cooper who uh, is just an all-around fantastic guy, adventurer, jiu-jitsu black belt, filmmaker, just generally cool dude. Uh, chicks, what is it? Guys want to be him. Chicks want to be with him. What else, can, what else can we say about you, Stuart? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> My man, so you, the thing about you I remember most clearly is you were just a regular dude living in uh, the north of England, right? And... You were kind of, I remember you were always an athletic guy from what I can recall, but you weren't any, you didn't have any like big dreams or ambitions or anything like, uh, I mean, you seem to have like a pretty normal life trajectory. And then you started doing jujitsu and you just decided you wanted to take it a bit further. And before we knew it, you were living in Thailand making jujitsu documentary videos. Is that the basic story? Yeah, I mean, you know, I come from Preston, which is, you know, a really small city in UK. And um, yeah, I didn't, I, to be honest, yeah, I didn't really have any, any idea of what it is I wanted to do growing up. Um, but when I did finally graduate from university and finally got a job in London, I realized that I didn't want that life. You know, I actually, I think I worked, I managed, I survived six months in London doing a nine to five job. And I just, realize like you know this is i think i actually got a little bit depressed you know i realized that's not the kind of life i wanted and i was doing jiu-jitsu at the time and i was really looking up to my professors lucio sergio and legato and you at that time you were my professor at um, roger gracie academy at the time when i was a blue belt and i just saw the life that you guys had and i just thought to myself that's that's what i want you know i was 23 at the time so i was think i you know i thought to myself Maybe I'm too old, you know, to uh, really go for it in jiu-jitsu. But, well, that's what a lot of people around me, you know, uh, friends, family, telling me. 
but eventually it paid off. You know, I just stuck stuck at it. It was a lot of <clears throat> years of you know um, hard work. And look, fortunately for me, when I was um, training the whole time, I got a, a broken arm, and that's kind of what led into the filmmaking. So because I. So you broke, you broke your arm and you, you couldn't train, so like you decided to pick up a camera. It wasn't actually a broken arm. It was a straight dislocation, um, but it put me out for one year. Uh, because I couldn't train jiu-jitsu and I didn't have a job, I wasn't working, I picked up a video camera uh, just for something to do, you know, just to keep my mind active, just to keep busy. And, you know, I filmed a few seminars just for fun, made them into little videos and just kind of went from there. It was a domino effect. I realized that I had talent you know so it was all yeah the, the dislocated arm was a blessing in disguise really mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting i mean there's so much comes uh, came to mind while you're discussing relating that story the first is uh i love how like your family and friends or part, members of your family and friends are telling you no you can't do this you're too old yeah because they're the ones, you know, very often it's the case, they're the ones who didn't go for their dreams. So they get kind of scared when someone else wants to go for theirs, you know. Um, so I, I respect you for, for not falling into that trap. But also the thing, I, you know, if anyone listening to this is perhaps feeling that they, they want to do something similar to what you've done, which is live maybe a, uh, a freer, more alternative existence and, and maybe, maybe use jiu-jitsu to do that, the thing about you that I think it's the reason that you were able to pull it off is because you took action. You know, you just fucking did something. Your arms dislocated. And so you don't just sit at home feeling sorry for yourself. You grab a camera and you go and start recording or you want to go on a trip somewhere. You, you use, use little savings you have and you go and do it. You know, you took action. And I think that's so important. I'm realizing that's the difference between the people in this world who live extraordinary lives and, and those who don't. It's not imagination because everyone has imagination. Everyone has imagination and dreams and everyone wants stuff. It's action. It's those who are willing to take action and suck it up and endure the judgment of their family and friends or suffer without a paycheck for a few months or go and sleep in a backpack hostel in Thailand. Or, you know what I mean? It's the people who take action. So I really respect you for that, Stuart. Yeah, thank you. Yes. So at, at the moment now, so let's continue the story a little bit. You... You started training jiu-jitsu, you picked up the camera, you were recording little, little bits and pieces and people liked your stuff. And then how did it come to be that you found yourself in Thailand as a full-on jiu-jitsu documentary filmmaker? Well, yeah, one, when I was, I finally got to Purple Belt when I was, uh, and I was quite deep into making these videos. And then I uh, contacted Dennis Ash at the time, who was out in Brazil. And I messaged him, I showed him some examples of my work and, you know, said, uh, hey Dennis, would you be up for giving me a free place to stay and free training if I come to Brazil and make some videos and put your company logo on them? And he went for it right away. And I was out there for I think about three or four months making videos uh, in Connection Rio. And then I had the idea after that, I'm going to do the same thing in Thailand because I really wanted to go to Thailand. So I reached out to Tiger Muay Thai, and this was in 2012. And I messaged them, sent them an email, sent them some examples of the videos I've done and said, hey guys, um, I'd love to come out to Thailand if you can offer me a free stay, free training. You know, um, uh, would, you know would it be good for me to come out here and I'll just make a bunch of videos in return for you? And they, they took it right away. They, and I flew out right away. 
So, yeah, just kind of, again, it went from there. At the time, it was um, a fourth degree black belt called Fernando Macachero teaching. I was a purple belt. And um, eventually, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. I never would have thought I would be in his position one day. You know, I used to look up to him and think, you know, I'd love to, it would be amazing to be head coach, head jiu-jitsu coach of this place one day. Um, and now here I am, you know, like several years later, you know. I didn't even know. So you're the head jiu-jitsu coach of Tiger Muay Thai? Yeah, as of Feb- February last year. Yeah, Chris, uh, the, Damn. after Fernando Makashera, it was uh, Chris Vamos, a black belt from New York. And then he left and they they called me up and said, Stuart, do you want the job? I was like, yeah, that would be, that'd be a dream come true. It really would. Wow, I just love that. I just love that. I didn't, first of all, congratulations, man. I didn't even know that. That's fantastic news. Um, again, dude, it's because you took action. You know, you're the one who messaged these people and said, can you, can you um, give me a place to stay? Like, I can do this for you. I just love that. It's, I love that. I, you know, I've got a few friends who they're wanting to make changes in their lives, you know, but, and I keep saying to him, just fucking go take what you want. Go, go do what you want. Just do it. Like, if you want to, I don't know, be an artist, if you want to travel, just fucking do it, man. Just go take what you want. Like no one's, I'm, uh, no one needs to give you permission, but I'm giving you permission. Like go and do it. They seem to like be waiting for like someone to tell them it's okay to do it or they're waiting for the perfect moment. Or, and it doesn't work like that. There is no, there is no weird authority that, that has to allow you to do this. And there is no perfect timing. It's it's just you've got to step up and take the courage to do it. Yeah, you've got to be willing to take risks, you know, I'm not, not afraid to fail. And I know I've been one for really sitting around and doing nothing. I never, I had a bunch of jobs growing up, you know, working in uh, Argos, you know, Mountain Warehouse, uh, Macro. And I could never, I never stuck in them. I could never last at a job that I didn't like. I just, my head wasn't there and I would start getting depressed. So... <laughs> it's kind of a good thing in there. I remember my mom and dad getting frustrated with me because every job I had, I would just get fired or I would walk out because I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take standing there doing something I didn't have any passion for. Um, you know, until I found yeah, completely uh, the, the first job I actually found I actually liked was actually filming weddings, and that helped uh, mm-hmm. making my jiu-jitsu documentaries, you know, because it uh, helped me develop the skills for editing and filming. That was the first real job that I stuck at. And it was good fun, actually, uh, being a wedding videographer. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you uh, slayed a few bridesmaids <laughs> along, along your way. <laughs> so, Stu, what's, tell, tell me what you said. Some crazy stuff's been happening to you over the last couple of years. What's, what's been going on? I haven't, I haven't spoken to you for maybe three or four years. A long even. time. What's, so much has happened. Um, the last, I would say the last two years, have been a real, they've been very important years for me. Uh, they were very difficult, actually. Um, the last two years have been good. Uh, so it was three years ago. I went through probably the most difficult 12 months of my life. And I was, it was going on for some time, actually. Um, I remember we were meant to work together a bunch of times, and I was pretty much offline. I would not really message people back. Um, I just had to keep to myself for a while. There were some things. I mean, I had some health um issues that I needed to take care of. So, you know, I had the best job in the world. I was traveling the world, you know, going from country to country, you know, filming all these great athletes. I, you know, I, it, was, it was an amazing lifestyle that I was living. But 
it came at a price because all of the, I don't think people realized how much traveling I was actually doing. You know, I was never in one place for very long. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know what jet lag is like. It's horrible, isn't it? It's it, mm -hmm. uh, going from one end of the world to the other. So I started to get really bad uh, insomnia at the time. So mm -hmm. when I would arrive somewhere, I was like really struggling like to sleep and it was starting to affect my health. And so I started, and I was completely ignorant as my fault I got myself in this situation. But I started mm -hmm. to take um, some, a, a drug called diazepam. So Jesus, yeah. that's what they give snipe, snipers to keep, um, to keep them, their hands steady when they're taking the shot, right? right? This, is, this is a very powerful drug. In Thailand, you can buy them over the counter. <laughs> Sorry, I have to laugh, dude. I just have to laugh because I have bought so much shit over the content. Right. That's great. Please, please continue. Yeah, well, I, I know, again, I, someone introduced it to me. I said, oh, have you ever tried these diazepams and Xanax? They make, you know, they're really good for making you sleep. And I was like 27 at the time and, you know, a bit ignorant. You know, I didn't really realize how much of a dangerous drug it was because I could buy it over the counter. You know, I thought it was kind of like a... I didn't think it was like a melatonin, but I didn't think it was that addictive. So I started mm -hmm. for flights and, you know, I was flying a lot. And then when I would arrive in these countries, I'd still be struggling with sleep. So what became like every now and again, started becoming every single night, you know, and one pill becomes two, two becomes three. And mm -hmm. before I know it, I, I didn't even realize I've been taking these things every day for several years and it really started to affect my, you know, my cognitive function, my memory, you know, um, even my jujitsu, like I started to forget jujitsu moves. Um, it really started to oh. affect my personality actually. And yeah, just my way of thinking. And, you know, then I started, when those uh, stopped actually having an effect. So I started mixing in other pills from over the counter and I think I'm a few years into it and I actually, noticed the decline in my work as well. Some of the first videos I did, uh, they're probably not my best ones. And then there was a slow kind of decline in the quality of my work. There was like spelling mistakes, bad edits, you know, like they just weren't very well put together. Mm -hmm. My uh, weight started to go down. Um, I was always a good purple belt, a tough brown belt, like quite athletic. I was walking around about 90 kilograms and with all traveling and all these pills that I was taking before I know it I didn't even realize I remember traveling around America and I came back to Thailand and all of my friends looking at me in shock they just looked like Stu what happened to you it's like what like, like you're half the size I'm like what are you talking about I didn't even realize this is how um you know where this is you know where my head was at I didn't even realize you know my head was in the clouds I remember Mm -hmm. on the scales I was 70 kilograms which is very that's extremely light for me I don't think I've ever weighed 70 kilograms for like you know, some mm -hmm. young teenage well, 70 that's yeah that's really what in in pounds that's like 170 165 pounds and for those of you who haven't met Stuart he's he's a big muscular guy like it that is really light for you I think it's 155 pounds if I'm not wrong what is yeah, it? 70 to, oh sorry yeah you're right you're right it's closer to my apologies yeah, times 2.2 yeah it's yeah right now wow okay and i'm like i think i'm 205 pounds at the moment you know which is a good way wow so so what was it was there a specific point where you realized like a, a flash of insight where you realized 
something needs to change or did you yeah. gradually come out of it or what what happened so i was actually in melbourne and i knew that you couldn't take the you know australia had pretty strict laws and what you could take in and i started to i started to realize i was in denial of what was going on i didn't want to because feeling my life was going so i had like job after job after job you know i didn't want to i realized i had a problem but i didn't want to stop because if i knew i was would be in for some like withdrawal symptoms and i hadn't actually mm-hmm. And I remember going over to Melbourne to do a job and I didn't take any with me. And then my actual, my body actually started to go into withdrawal effects, which was, Jesus. It was horrendous. Uh, I can't even begin to explain the anxiety and the panic, you know, that goes through you when you're mm. feeling like this. So I got the first flight back to Thailand and, you know, I had to take some of these, you know, these horrible pharmaceutical pills and instantly they made me feel better. And I was like, right this is a real problem. And I called up my parents and actually uh, told my mom off the phone what was going on. I said, hey, um, I don't know what to do. I've got a bit of a problem here. And she was kind of shocked because growing up, I was always very healthy, always looked after myself, go to the gym, running, eat good food. I've always been a, a healthy person. So I'm surprised this happened to me. So I flew back to England and we went to the doctor and we told them what I was taking. And the doctor drew out like a plan me to slowly taper off them and okay actually the, the the plan that he did was too quick so the half of my dose right away and then i remember having a seizure well i don't remember Jesus. i don't remember having a seizure so should i say i remember i was at my parents house and oof, those withdrawals were brutal and my mom and dad went out for a walk and i just remember making a cup of tea in the morning and then next thing i know I'm getting woke, woken up by some paramedics uh, on my kitchen floor. And actually, my parents had come back and found me unconscious on the floor where I'd had a seizure. Um, and that was the wake-up call for me. That was like, I realized then, if, if I don't do something about this now, I'm probably not going to live very long. So I really looked into um, the best way, you know, to come off, you know, all these uh, these pills and you know what to, how to actually do it because the do- the doctors we were using weren't very informed that they were mm-hmm. what to do either. So I was in for a long a long recovery. It was about yeah twelve months before I finally tapered off of all these drugs. And during that whole twelve months, all I was doing was um, I was training jujitsu, even though it was difficult. It was actually hard to even get out of bed sometimes. It was uh, my mm-hmm. my energy was so low. My concentration wasn't there. I just wasn't happy. You know, you suffer with quite quite a bit of depression. Mm-hmm. But I knew I'd get through it. I was just determined to because I, I had a good life before, and I just wanted to have that back. So that was my motivation was just to get back to how I was before. Mm-hmm. So I was going out walk. Uh, probably, I'll probably do like two, you know, walk, big long walks a day, listening to nice music. I would watch really, you know, positive, inspirational films. I would train jujitsu, even though I didn't want to. I didn't really want to socialize, but I would, I would do everything possible just to keep my mind busy. Because if I was walking, if I was rolling jujitsu, I wouldn't feel the withdrawal effects. Uh, Mm. And you would get like, you know, you feel quite, you feel, have that sense of accomplishment after you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do something, after you have a long walk or you do some weights or some jiu-jitsu. And that would, also the, the sweat, you would be sweating a lot of that crap out of your yeah, body as yeah, well. Yeah, so I was doing all the right things, eating good food and, um, 
you know, the nights are the worst because these, these pills actually make you sleep. So what happens when you stop taking them, you can't sleep. So for Fuck. a long time, I was lucky if I got, I was lucky if I got one or two hours sleep a night. You know, some night, I would probably, sometimes at the, at the beginning of the withdrawals, I would go two or three days of not sleeping. It was, uh, <laughs> it was horrendous, but I learned a lot about yeah. health in that time. And that's why I didn't, I actually went offline for a while. I didn't make any videos. Mm -hmm. myself to myself i was just focusing on getting better and for sure finally when i was off everything and i was clean for about two or three months but i still wasn't feeling right i was really suffering with um, what the doctors say like chronic fatigue syndrome mm -hmm. um even though i had nothing in my body and i got offered a job in singapore and all i was going through my head was i need to get out of here i need to take this job but i'm not ready if I go out to take this job, I'm not. I'm afraid that I might fall back into that bad habit, that pattern again. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I got the job offer, and I was about to fly out. I remember it was January 2016, I think it was. And luckily, that would have been the worst thing if I had actually flown out. Then I'm not sure if I'm mm -hmm. here today. And fortunately for me, my appendix went. <laughs> and that, that was actually a good thing, though, because it. I was back on the couch for another three months recovering, but it, mm -hmm. it, it made me realize, right, I wasn't ready. I've really got to do something about this. Because um, my brain, uh, I think these, these pills alter your brain chemistry. So it takes, I actually uh, got told by the doctor, it might take several years for my brain chemistry to re wow. and to actually feel normal again, to sleep normal, to have no, you know, my energy back. And I was just thinking, I don't want to spend another few years feeling like this. You know, I was very incredibly depressed, actually. Um, mm -hmm. And then I somehow, I don't know how I came about it, but I think it was like a podcast I was listening to. And I'd heard about ayahuasca before from Joe Rogan podcast and actually from a, uh, you on a podcast, London Real. Something that always fascinated me was ayahuasca. Um, but I didn't know it was actually really a medicine. You know, people use it for addiction. People use it for depression, for anxiety, for many different things. I just thought it was, you know, some site, you know, some trip. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. But so I looked into it and I read that it was a cure for addiction. It was a cure for a chronic fatigue. And it's a, they say you have a calling, don't they? You know, when you are ready to do ayahuasca. And it's kind of mm -hmm. how it came about. So I went instantly one on the internet. Actually, I messaged you and I got a contact from you. And but then I did a little bit more searching around because I need it was something that I needed to go and do right away. I just felt like it was the perfect time. And I found mm -hmm. a place in Denmark in an island off Copenhagen called Fimu. And I they luckily for me, I emailed them the message back right away and said, You're in luck, we have a ceremony in two weeks time and we just um had someone drop out so we have the space available if you want it i was like yeah that's nice. great so <clears throat> the next two weeks i really dieted you know i did the ayahuasca diet. i didn't take any coffee or tea any alcohol i pretty much just had you know broccoli and <laughs> brown rice you know very clean mm -hmm. so i remember flying i got the got a bus and a train up to manchester airport i actually slept in the airport i told my parents because i knew they wouldn't understand I told my parents I was off to London just to see some friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. They saw, you know, how I was. They saw I wasn't happy. They saw I was really struggling. And 
yeah, flew to Denmark and met up with the shaman and a bunch of other people at the Copenhagen airport. And we, uh, we drove to the ferry point, got a ferry over to this island. There was 18 people there participating in the ceremony. There was about three shamans. Everyone's there for their own reasons. And I was just, I remember thinking, I just really hope this works. I just want my life back. And I don't know what mm -hmm. the science is behind ayahuasca, San Pedro, Campbell. I don't know. I don't know how these things work. It's even crazy that they're actually illegal, but it worked. I remember drinking the first night I drank the ayahuasca and it was nice. It, it, uh, I reacted quite well to it. It was, a, it was a nice experience. And I remember waking up the next day feeling quite, quite happy, you know, like it was a nice experience. And the next night he said, we think you should drink more, Stuart. I was like, okay, great. I had, <laughs> Uh, the first night I had one cup and the second night I had two and a half cups and the first night I was seeing visuals when I would close my eyes but when I would open my eyes everything this reality was still here and everything was normal in front of me but the second night uh, after two and a half glasses whew, that was that was strong if when I opened my eyes uh, the whole room was in uh, geometric patterns and it was it's very hard to put uh, and I couldn't even move off the yoga mat. I was, I was, the only way I can describe, I was just in this place of like overwhelming love and happiness. And it was, yeah, it's just inc incredible. You know, I can't I really can't put into words what actually happened. And from that point, you just felt that, that your brain chemistry was balanced out and you yeah, just. Yeah, the next really day I felt great. I had no cravings to take any pills. I had energy. I remember going for this long walk around the island, listening to music. I was smiling. Um, then I flew back to Manchester. I went back home and my mom and dad saw how, how active I was, how like happy I was. You know, I was, I was you know going out to jiu-jitsu, I was just doing, I was back to my normal self and it's crazy. I don't know how it worked, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and who cares? You know what I, what I always say about ayahuasca is, yeah, I, I don't know how it works, but who cares? <laughs> I don't know if it's aliens that are doing stuff in your brain. I don't know if it's like neurochemistry that's changing. I don't know if it's some weird spiritual thing or if it's just pure science, but I don't care because I know it works. So, uh, yeah, amazing, Stuart. Amazing. I, I had no idea that this is the way the conversation was going to go. I didn't even remember talking to you about um, ayahuasca. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. I'm so happy that you got through that because a lot of people don't come back from opioid addiction, man. It's, it's a very powerful thing. A lot of people don't come out of that. And I was reading a lot of negative things online, you know, the people um, going through a similar thing. And, um, you know, and the reason I tell people this, you know, at first I didn't really want to tell people, but maybe there's someone else out there going through a similar thing. And, you know, maybe mm -hmm. uh, psychedelics isn't the answer for everybody, but I think people should know that these things can actually help. It's an option anyway. But if you are going to for sure. like psychedelics, you actually have to, your body has to be so clean. If you are to take something like ayahuasca or San Pedro while you're still taking uh, any kind of pill, if it's antidepressants or anything, it can actually kill you. It can give you serotonin. Mm. So mm. <clears throat> have to go through the brutal uh, <clears throat> withdrawal stage. But there are other things, aren't there? Wow. One called ibogaine that I was looking into, but that sounds oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah, that that's apparently it's uh, it's another step up from ayahuasca. Apparently, it's very very <laughs> traumatic. I'd like to try that one day, but. I know I need to get my, my body, mind, and soul ready for that one, dude. And I think that'll be several years into the future. <laughs> Stuart, my brother, I, I'm, 
I, I could literally talk to you all day about this, but I, I am, um, and I hate, I hate cutting off such a cool conversation, but we are right. We're coming close to the end of, of um, our time today. Uh, thank you so much for being so open and honest about them. And you know, one of the reasons I think it's such a powerful story is because you are a very powerful guy. I mean, when people meet you in person, you have a, a, such a wonderful presence. You're very calm. You're very friendly, very open-minded. You're well-built, good-looking, just such a, a good dude, you know, all around. And for you to have fallen into that trap, it just, I, I had no idea. And if you could fall into that trap, anyone can. Yeah. So the fact that you that you are so open and honest with that with with the listeners and, and you explain what you went through and how you got out of it, I think you've done us all a great service. So thank you so much for that. Uh, the people listening, um, if they want to, sorry, if they if they want to uh, see more of your work or, or get in touch with you, where should they go? And um, you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Stuart Cooper Films. Uh, also Instagram, which is uh, uh, the same, Stuart Cooper Films again, or my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, man, thank you so much. Again, any, any last words, any last message? Um, no, no, just thank you for having me on. And if, um, yeah, if anyone wants to come out to Thailand, make sure, you know, to train jiu-jitsu. We have amazing jiu-jitsu here at Tiger Muay Thai. Our no-gi pro. That's solid. true. The jiu-jitsu's grown out here. We have, you know, started to have a lot of competitions out here. And yeah, it's mm -hmm. paradise out here, you know. We've got beaches, jiu-jitsu, you know, it's Hey man, that is paradise, dude. Make make the most of it. I'm glad you got your life back, my brother, and enjoy it. Enjoy it for all of us. It's a good life man, after after going through all that. <laughs> awesome. Well, that was definitely not what I expected from that episode. And you know, I've known Stuart for a long time. I wouldn't say we're great friends, but we're definitely good friends. And I didn't realize that he had. Uh, no offense, Stuart. I didn't realize you had that much depth, my man. That's the honest truth. And it's it's wonderful to see that he's he's asking some of the more serious questions about life. It's also cool to see that he came through um, that addiction issue because as anyone who's ever taken uh, any of those types of – that family of drugs, the benzodiazepines and things like that, uh, you know that they are incredibly powerful and can cause some of the strongest cravings. So the fact that he came through that is testament not only to Stuart, but also to the power of plant medicine. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one. I sure did. Remember to go check out my new program, Buddha Fit Kettlebell and Bodyweight Conditioning for Martial Artists. You can find it at store.jujitsubrother.com. Remember to use the coupon code podcast and you'll get a good discount on that as well. Until next time, guys, peace out. <laughs>